Great. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 34. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, them, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. As Stephen said, I am Shauna, and this morning we'll be looking at this beautiful bit of text in Luke 24 and seeing what Jesus might be saying to each of us. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are here and you are with us, God. And so this morning we ask one thing, that you would open our minds to understand the scriptures, open our minds to see you this morning to see you walking with us, oh God, in whatever circumstance we may walk through, Lord. Be with us this morning, Jesus. Amen. So, Luke 24, exciting stuff. So it presents the exciting narrative of Jesus' first day back to work in the flesh. So we're seeing all the conversations, all the things that were at the top of his agenda that he felt he needed to do first day back. And so we see the conversations, the people he chose to meet with. And so the chapter starts with the woman going to the tomb, as we saw on the first day of the week, to anoint Jesus' body, but he's not there because he's risen. 
And so they share this with the disciples who don't believe them at this time because they've been disappointed too much by this point. And so they don't want to get their hopes up. And so we move on later in the day to find ourselves on the road to Emmaus. And we see two very little known individuals walking to somewhere called Emmaus, still reeling from a day of immeasurable grief and trauma and just disappointment. And it was just a hard time for the people who did believe Jesus, those who believed that he really was their Messiah, that he really came to save them, and then he died. And so these people walking away from Jerusalem in grief are met by Jesus, and it changes everything. I love this account because in itself, it's like a miniature in a couple of verses of the entire gospel. From this text alone, we see that Jesus meets us where we are, no matter who we are, and that he reveals himself to us and that transforms our lives forever. And that in response to that beauty that he reveals, to the full beauty of who Jesus is, we are changed and we can't help but run and share this good news with those around us. And so those are my three points, and we'll be exploring that as we journey along this road to Emmaus this morning. And so the first point, Jesus meets us where we are, no matter who we are. In this text, we have a half-anonymous couple of people walking. We're told that one is called Cleopas. We don't really hear about him after that or before that. And the other one is just called the other one. So that shows you the precedence and the premium that was placed on who these people were. But on his first day, these people were at the top of his list to meet with them and to spend time with them. They were common folk, not named among the 12 disciples. And I think it's good that they were not named because it makes it easier for me, for us, to put ourselves in their shoes, to see ourselves in their place. And that's the heart of God, that he comes to the great and to the small, to the named and the unnamed, the seen and the unseen. I always think, of all the people, Jesus could have gone and shown himself to the chief priests. If it was me, and I had raised up back, you know, just like I told everyone before, I would be walking around saying, hello, did I not tell you? But he didn't. I always think, could he just not go to the chief priest just one time? But no, that was not what was on the top of Jesus' list. It was these two people who we know so little about, to spend time with them, listening to their hurt and their disappointments, teaching them the truth and comforting them, and then communing with them and breaking bread, sharing a meal with them. And so we don't know much about who they are, but we do know what, that they were downcast, that they were thoroughly disappointed and disillusioned. So while they heard the reports of the woman that Jesus is risen, they were too disappointed by what they had seen to even believe. They didn't want to be disappointed again. And so now with their backs turned to Jerusalem, to where Jesus was, they were walking away. And where were they going? In his book, Borderlands, Mark Brittman talks about the meaning of the word Emmaus. It's a place of warm springs. And he points out that these men, stricken by grief and disappointment, 
were likely just trying to get away from all of that, to get away from all the horror that they'd seen. They were looking for a place of solace. And as they're on their way, they're discussing all the events. But when you look at the Greek translation, it's a bit stronger than just discussing the events. They were arguing, they were having a debate, probably saying they don't believe what the woman said or just discussing all the horrible things that had happened. And so here, in this situation, we have sadness, disappointment, confusion, and into all of that steps Jesus, walking alongside them in all of this, tracking along, even when they don't recognize that he's there the whole time. And so I think many of us, I sure can't, relate to these two men or these two individuals walking along in the last few years where we have had so many disappointed hopes, where we may have had losses in our family or in our friendships, and just many things have gone wrong. We don't even have to look in our own lives. We just have to look at the news to see all the horrible things that have gone wrong. And so maybe for some of us, we have become indifferent, indifferent to the gospel, indifferent to the promises of Jesus. Maybe some of us have just given up entirely on hoping and trusting but the word of God says that he draws near to the brokenhearted and to those who are crushed in spirit. And so when we find ourselves in these hard places, in these places of disappointment, we need to keep our eyes peeled for Jesus because that's where he is. And so we see them walking and Jesus is walking with them. And eventually he asks them, they notice he's there and he asks them, what are they discussing? And I think of all the scriptures in the Bible, this is probably in the top three most ironic scriptures that you'll find. So Jesus asks them, what's going on? What are you talking about? And then they say, are you the only person visiting Jerusalem who does not know what has happened? Are you new? Like, where have you been? And so Jesus <laughs> continues, he goes along with them and he asked them, what things? I don't know. Tell me about it. And I think this is key because Jesus wants to get to the root of our disappointments. He wants to get to the root of our pain and the reasons that we've walked away, the reasons that have made us indifferent. And so they reply, about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet powerful in word and deed, and the chief priests handed him over to be crucified, but we hoped he was the one. So they're saying it's three days, we really hoped he was the one, it doesn't look like it's working out, we're disappointed. And you can hear their disappointment, but this is probably the most important bit in this text. Their response concerning what happened, and more importantly, who Jesus was, was key, and that's what he needed to get at. And so there are many reasons people offer for them not recognizing him, but I think one valid one was that God, in his kindness and in his providence, hid this reality from them just for a bit so that these misunderstandings could be addressed. Because their response showed that there was an incomplete understanding of who Jesus was and how he worked. He was the one but he did not show up in the way that they expected. He did not come through in the way that they thought he should, riding on a horse maybe and doing all these things. 
And they're confused, not because Jesus was unfaithful, but because of their partial understanding of who he was and what he promised. They said he was a prophet and powerful in word and deed. So they called him a prophet, okay, and they spoke of his power, true, but at no point did they acknowledge him as the Messiah and as Lord. And so, though their ideas about Jesus weren't necessarily wrong, they still had a way to go. And so this is what Easter does. It confronts us with who Jesus is. And this Easter, he invites us, too, to have our understandings expanded because our ideas about him may not be wrong, but sometimes our vision about who Jesus is, what he's able to do, how much he loves us, is just too small. It's too limited sometimes, and he wants us to know him because he knows that when we come to know him, our lives are never the same. And so while he meets us where we are, no matter who we are, in our places of confusion, hurt, brokenness, and indifference, he won't let us stay there. He confronts us with his love and with his truth, and he opens our eyes. And so that's my second point, that Jesus opens our eyes to who he is. So in this text, Jesus reveals himself in two ways. First, through the word. He opens the scriptures to them, but then probably more dominantly through communion with him. And so first we see that their disappointment was due to misunderstanding. And Jesus lovingly rebukes them and points out that at the root of your disappointment is that you have been slow to believe all the scriptures. Jesus' response is to have a Bible study with them on the road. Not a rushed thing, but a teaching where he carefully expounds the scriptures. Scriptures that they would have already known showing him self to them in all the scriptures. That's what Jesus thought was the most important thing to do to these unknown men on the road. He could have shown them his wounds from the get-go. He could have said, it's me, and we could have moved on. He could have worked a miracle, and they would have known instantly that this is Jesus. But he knew that he wasn't going to be with them in physical form forever. And so their greatest need was really to know him. And so to know him, they would have to know and believe his word. They already knew it, but they needed to come to a place of believing that this word is the truth. If they were ever going to grow spiritually, if they were ever going to be able to build the church in the years to come. And so I often think about what it must have been like for Jesus to give you a personal Bible study. That must have been the most amazing thing. But then the truth is that Jesus has given us his spirit living in us all day, every day. And so when we come to the word, his Holy Spirit gives us that personal Bible study if we want it. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things and he would bring to our remembrance everything that he taught. And so it made me think, in the last couple weeks, I... I just had a time of a intense anxiety, just intense, like I don't have any words for it, of all the decisions that were before me and all the things, just everything. And I found myself feeling like almost like having a panic attack many days. And 
to kind of deal with this dis-ease and sort it out, I figured, hmm, maybe I should watch a series on Netflix because that would definitely fix everything. <laughs> Honestly, now that I look, when I say it, it sounds ridiculous, but you know I'm not the only one. But, so I thought, hmm, a series, that's good. So I did that, that probably just made me feel even more anxious, so that didn't work. And then I thought, you know what, the weather is good, it's time to start running again. So I started doing some walks or some runs, eh, maybe two days, and then that was that. Then I thought, GNDs, some ice cream. And so I did that, none of these things worked. And none of these things in themselves are bad, but they don't address the root of the issue. And so one morning I just sat there quietly, not, I wasn't praying, I wasn't doing anything, I was just sitting there not even knowing what to say. And I started to hear these familiar words like going through my mind and so I Googled it to see which scripture it was and it was Isaiah 41. And so I turned there and it said, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear for I myself will help you. And just like that, everything changed. Because Jesus went to the root of the matter with the precision of his word, fear. And just like the two men on the road to Emmaus, my heart burned within me and it was as if Jesus himself walked into that room and upset all of the worry and the anxiety that I felt was just like sitting on me for weeks. Like nothing else could, not GNDs, not Netflix, none of these things. The truth of his word brings light and peace. It's just like the psalmist said in Psalm 119, the entrance of his word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. His word gives us fresh perspective on all the situations that we walk through. It brings us peace because it is truth. And so he opens his, uh, our eyes through his word. But the second way, and probably the main way in this text, is through fellowship, through spending time at the table. So after being in his presence and Jesus giving them this amazing Bible study, he continues on as if he's about to leave and go further. And they, in response to all they had heard and the burning in their hearts, they asked him to stay. They longed for more of him. And so the translation is actually quite strong. It's that they constrained him. They held on to his presence. And that holding on to his presence, that hunger for more of Jesus, that lingering, is what made way for the greater revelation for them. They invited him for supper. And in those times, suppers were just unrushed, long meals where you really just sit and enjoy the company of those people you're with. And I think it's beautiful that it was at the table of fellowship where Jesus fully revealed himself to them. There are different propositions for what made them notice Jesus or notice that it was Jesus at that time. Was it the way that he naturally took the position of leadership at the table? Was it the familiarity in the sound of how he blessed the bread? Was it that they saw the nail-pierced hands as he lifted up the bread to bless it? Probably all of those things. But what it was is that it took a time of fellowship, of staying with him for it to all come together. With no specific agenda, 
except to hear him, to be with him, for them to notice, for them to come to the full revelation that this is Jesus, this is God with us. And so this Easter, we are invited afresh to stay a little longer, to find pockets of time in our weeks, to linger in his presence just a little bit longer, and to come into friendship with him, not just transaction, but friendship. And this is not necessarily just for ourselves. Yes, in one sense, but it's so that we can represent him here on earth, so that we can go into our classrooms, into our workplaces, and be his hands and feet. And so that brings me to the final point in this very short talk, is that first we see that he meets us, no matter who we are or where we are, and he comes and he opens our eyes and he transforms us. But now, in response, when we are changed, we go out and we share this good news of what he's done in our lives. One encounter with Jesus changes us forever. And I've been so moved in watching the videos and hearing the testimonies of the people who have come to faith through Alpha, through the different services, you name it people who have encountered the fullness of the beauty of Jesus and they have been changed for it. And now they speak with so much joy and hope and peace and so boldly about what Jesus has done in their lives. This is what Jesus does. He walks into our broken places when we invite him and when we ask him to stay like these men did. And that same resurrection power comes and lives in us. Jesus met these men who were walking away, heading in their own direction, arguing, and just sad. And now by the end of the encounter, we see them running with gusto in the opposite direction with good news and burning hearts. And so as I was preparing this word, I thought of different groups who came to mind as I read the text. You have some of us who maybe over time with all the things we've seen, all the things we've walked through, we've become indifferent to the gospel. We, it's neither here nor there. We don't know if we even believe all of it anymore. And there are many of us who maybe we did believe, but we've gone through such difficult circumstances. We've seen such loss in the last few years that we too are discouraged and heading away. We're heading in the opposite direction. And Jesus is with you, just like these men. He's with us and he's walking with us, wanting to know the hurt, wanting to know exactly where and why it hurts, and wanting to restore and heal us in that place. And for those of you, there's Alpha. Come and join us for conversation, to, to ask those big questions, to discuss those things that you're still wrestling with. Next week, come and join us. But maybe you've already been walking with Jesus for some time and you know he's there walking with you. But he might be calling you into deeper fellowship, into deeper friendship, into more time looking into his word, into more time just sitting and lingering with him. In one of his great prayers for the church, Paul prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation on the church that we would know Jesus. And so, as I invite the band back up, 
will pray that in this time, Jesus would reveal himself in our hearts, in whatever circumstances that our eyes would be open to see him this morning, this week. And so Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you're walking with us. We thank you that you're walking with the person, oh God, who is hurt and confused even this morning. And so we pray, oh God, that you would do what only you can do, that you would open our eyes to see you this morning, that we would see you clearly, oh God, and that you would bring comfort and you would bring peace and clarity to those places. In Jesus' name, amen.